moss. More moss to the people, yeah. More moss. More moss to the people, yeah. More moss. More moss to the people. Hi, this is Asa Nilsson, and you're listening to More Moss to the People, where each week we're going to be talking about slowing down, even hurling ourselves off of the Ferris wheel of the production-first mentality and choosing to live a courageous life based on our own needs first and daring to be different in a world where sameness is encouraged more highly than living a life of authenticity. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to More Moss to the People, the podcast where we have conversations with cool people who have opted to maybe slow down or choose a path of their own doing and recreating maybe their own lives at a different time of their lives. So today, um, my name is Asa Nilsson. I'm your host, and we are meeting with Tanya Elfersi on the Sea of Israel. That's where you live, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, how beautiful. Yes. By the sea. I'm thinking I'm freezing here in Sweden. It must be really warm where you are. Is it warm? It has been very warm and we're just coming into a little wintry phase, but winter for us is like 15 degrees C. So 15 degrees. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't sound so bad to me. I think I have 15 degrees in my house right now. <laughs> so, okay, Tanya, please tell us, tell us about yourself and who you are today in this stage of your life? Yes, so I'm originally from the UK. I've been living in Israel for almost 30 years. And I'm a transformative coach and an author. I'm also mother of three teenagers. And I work specifically helping women through perimenopause and menopause, trying to support them on a path that can help them reach natural symptom relief and well-being all from the inside out. Hmm. You know, that was fascinating to me because I am probably one of those people that know the least amount of anything about menopause and perimenopause. Meanwhile, I have gone through all of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think that place. I'm alone. <laughs> I don't think I'm alone. Um, but the I think it's so interesting because you know, part of the the whole part of my meaning behind this movement is to slow down and how how can we reconnect with ourselves in order to get the answers that we really need. And from my own perspective, I spent a life running, running, running. And then I was wondering, why can't I understand anything? Why can't I connect to spirit? Why can't I connect with my own intuition? Because there was so much noise. There was so much noise around me all the time. And until I chose to 
slow it down and to get quiet. Um, I I couldn't get my answers. And you have written a book. And I've read it. Thank you very much for sending it to me so I could read it before we actually had this time together. And the book is called The Wiser Woman's Guide to Perimenopause and Menopause, right? Yes. Yes. And you have a business and your business name is The Wiser Woman. Is that right? Yes. And just to point out, that's not me. That's within. That's something that's within every single woman. And it ties into what you were saying that we, you know, we have all these thoughts about what we should be doing and what our life should look like, et cetera, et cetera. And there's this very clear, intuitive part of us, the wiser woman, which I think really comes to the surface at midlife Hmm. to guide us to living the decades ahead of us Hmm. in a healthy, joyful way. You have had some interesting things that have happened in your life that have kind of given you this moment of, ooh, wait a minute, wow, the power of choice and the power of the quiet. Can can you tell me and whoever is listening here, my one listener, <laughs> about your story, about what happened for you eight years ago when you had your spontaneous recovery from your um the symptoms that you were having in your life yeah yeah so at the time um that would be before 2015 I had just spent a few years experiencing symptoms that at first I had no idea that they were connected to the change perimenopause I had no I'd never heard of perimenopause when I entered the 40s and I was experiencing night sweats frequent migraines what I then discovered was two weeks of PMS. So with all the mood swings and the achy breasts, hair loss, um, skin problems, all kinds of other symptoms that just kept coming up. And I was running around trying to deal with each symptom on its own. So, um, and I was inclined to go the natural route. So I was running to acupuncture and taking different herbs and trying healing and um, different potions and trying everything. And um, spending a lot of time and money doing that. Right, sure. And, um, and then I heard about perimenopause and I was like, oh, my goodness, how is it that I didn't know? And I thought I knew a little bit about women's health. Mm-hmm. And I asked all my 40-something friends, well, do you know that we're going through the change? And actually nobody knew. Um, and perhaps now there's more awareness about perimenopause. But what had happened over the last 30 years is that Medicine had split up menopause that was once seen as a much longer time of change to this very specific point in time, one year after your last period, that's when you reach menopause. And then they said everything before that is perimenopause and everything after that is postmenopause. So they just hadn't done a really good job of updating the public. And so me and my friends, we all thought, oh, you know, the change that's in our 50s. Like, we don't have to worry about that. And Or later. Thought, yeah, that's later. <laughs> and I personally thought that must happen quickly for some reason. And of course it doesn't. It can take mm. 10 years or more. I've been in yeah. it for 10 years. I still mm-hmm. haven't come, you know, through it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a gradual change. And as I learned more, the only solution that seemed to be offered was, oh, well, just fix your hormones, right? Mm. Your hormones are dropping. Um, you need to replace them. And once you replace them, then you're going to start to feel better. And that didn't seem right to me. 
um, I'd experienced some brilliant things in my body. And I was like, well, why would my body be getting it wrong? Why would it not understand what hormones I need at this time? Why would that make any sense? And I explored it further and further and then came to a point where I realized, oh, I see what's happening. I'm creating a lot of stress in my life innocently by Mm. taking my thinking about things seriously. And at Mm. the time, it was about juggling my little business and being a mother and trying to make it all work and feeling bad that I wasn't the breadwinner or, you know, making enough, et cetera, et cetera. And taking all that inside and my body was giving me all these symptoms because it didn't want me to live with that much stress. And and so I was having my particular collection of symptoms where I was sensitive. And it was just the body telling me, you um, can wake up and realize that you're on a path that isn't going to serve you with all that. Um, amount of stress and so that's what and I ended up uh, seeing and when I really saw that I had an insight about the nature of thought within days all my symptoms cleared up the emotional symptoms the physical symptoms and at first I was like okay that's interesting (laughs) Mm. Uh and then as I explored it further I was like oh this is really interesting and yes um, very interesting Uh, yes the world needs to hear about this there's a couple of women who might want to hear this message um let me uh, let me go back a little bit there to what you said about the the thoughts and how what we do like we just keep we keep adding on like let's just let's look for everything outside to fix what's going on on the inside and i mean that comes that's repeated so many times in my life right where we're looking on the outside for inside answers not listening in, but I love what you said about if if the body, does, we were created this way. I mean, are are having a period, going through perimenopause, going through menopause, postmenopause. The body has been created for this. That we're not we're not doing something new here. So we were created perfectly. So why wouldn't we be able to? Why couldn't our body also then work through this without having all these extra external things? So that to me was like, whoa, that is so true because, I mean, our, we were made perfect. Now we're the ones that then think that everything is so, oh, we have to do this because my friend did it. Well, everybody in society is doing, people on TV are doing it. So then obviously I have to do it too because I feel I'm having night sweats or I'm being moody or I feel terrible. I'm losing my hair. I mean, all, all the different things, all, all the things. So <laughs> you... I love this because the power of thought to me is just so important and critical in how, what you think about, you bring about that. I'm a firm believer of that. So you had a thought that, wait a minute, I can, I could do something about this. This is, can you, can you talk me through kind of like a little bit more about what that was like for you when all of a sudden it hit you? Yeah. Yeah. So at the time, the biggest thought that used to land in my head and make me feel really bad was the idea that I'm not enough. Yeah. Right. And I know many women carrying this story. The condition of the woman. Yes. I'm Mm. not enough because, and then everyone has their little reason why. Mm. And it could be things going back decades. But mine was like, you know, I'm not enough because I'm setting myself goals and I'm not meeting them. And Mm. I just feel a failure business-wise, et cetera. And I had felt 
you know, I had created a story around uh, my life that I could set goals and meet them. And that was actually made up. Like I had done that sometimes, but not mm-hmm. all the time. Um, but it felt like that was my identity. So mm-hmm. when there was this like big goal that I'd set for my little business and I wasn't meeting it, it felt like mm, it was crushing my identity, my core, my belief of who I was. And that was all made up. And so these these thoughts used to come into my mind and I used to take them really seriously. And then I used to feel really bad. And that almost put a stamp on it oh yeah that mm-hmm. there is something really bad mm-hmm. going on because look right. how bad you feel now look it's see mis- i told you so <laughs> yes exactly but it's actually a misunderstanding i was feeling really bad because my body didn't want me to take those thoughts seriously and we can find truth in thoughts that come in and bring a lighter feeling mm-hmm. a flavor of possibility and opportunity mm-hmm. and we can actually look there just as easily as we can look the other side of thoughts that create constriction and fear mm-hmm. and bring us down, etc. Yeah. And there isn't truth there for us. Mm-hmm. There's truth over here. But we are conditioned to search for what's going on here and then try and fix what's going on here. And so I thought, oh God, you know, I don't I just don't feel, you know, I feel so lousy and I feel like I'm falling apart. And there must be things I need to do. So it's it must be meditations and affirmations and gratitude journal and if someone is inspired to do all these things then that's great sure but if you take it on as a i must i should i'm failing at Mm. then you create more and more stress in your life because you think oh my goodness i'm just you know failing at all of that as well Mm. as my original fail (laughs) and so i got a lot of failure going on here yeah (laughs) that's a lot of stress and pressure and then (laughs) The insight that I had was, oh, I know, I actually, it's actually easier for me if I don't take those thoughts seriously. And it's like, it just takes like even less energy if I don't take those thoughts seriously. So what happens if those thoughts come into my mind and I just let them be? Like, I don't try and fix them. I don't try and convince myself, no, I am enough. No, really? No, look at the things I've done in my life. No. Right. Keep pushing, no. keep pushing, keep pushing. Yeah, because that just creates more storm. Sure. More thought storm, more thought storm. And so instead, I can just have a different relationship with any thought that comes into my head. And that's what started to happen. Like, the thoughts would still come into my head. You're not enough. You could have done more about this, et cetera, et cetera. But I had a different relationship to them. Hmm. So I didn't have to take them seriously. And then when a nicer thought came in, not because I pushed it into my head, but because that's the way that we are designed, thoughts come, thoughts go. Um, And if we don't entertain the thoughts that make us, you know, that can make us feel bad, they just disappear and new thoughts come in. And when new thoughts come in that feel like possibility, then I would just, put my focus there and it's so easy when um you learn it and you can really see how the system works but innocently we're so often stuck in the other way that I feel bad there must be something I need to do I need to I gotta fix it fix it fix it fix it fix it fix it let me find someone who's going to help me let me find something that's gonna you know some herb that will make me feel better some or anything when actually we have this incredible guidance system within mm. that really allows us 
to go through life on such a gentler path. And that's really all our body wants. It wants us to connect to that inner sense of wisdom, the wiser woman, as I like to call it, so that we can live gentler lives. We can be gentler ourselves. We can be happy, more joyful. And that is the source of health. Hmm. Yeah, that is so right. You know, like, like if you don't mind, it don't matter, right? Don't. Yeah. It's. I, I talk to uh, my clients also about the the feeling to try to connect to the feeling of is that a good feeling thought or does it make you feel like <clears throat> like you know it makes you like you feel like the actual the insides are going like this or does it feel expansive like you want to go like this and that that checking in with what am I thinking how am I feeling you know it is what a lot of people say about meditation right I mean when you meditate how if you have a thought that comes, just let it go. It doesn't matter. Like let another good, a better feeling thought come in. And it's some people are like, oh, that's woo woo. Or that's so silly. It's critical. It is absolutely critical for us to feel the way that we were designed to feel, which is to be free, to be free and to be loving and loved and accepting and accepted and all these rules of the external right? That's, that's not a, that's not a free feeling. That is not free and beautiful. Um, Now, something that you also talk about is the Japanese take on um, menopause. Yes. Which I love too. Can you talk a little bit about that? (laughs) Yes. Yes. So the Japanese have a word called konenki, the menopause, which in general means a sort of season of energy and change. Hmm. Um, And they understand that there is this energetic shift that happens um, for women between the age of 40 and 60. And it's not even necessarily tied to the end of menstruation, right? That's not the major part of it, like we view in the West. That's what menopause is, you know, your date, et cetera. But they understand that there's this change that happens in those, in those years. And it's such a more gentle, respectful, loving way to view this time of change. This change is supposed to happen. We are going through a rite of passage, a graduation to an elder, (laughs) a soul journey. Like Mm -hmm. all these ways that we can describe it have nothing to do with hormone deficiency. Hormone deficiency views the body as a machine. It says, oh, wait a minute. Now we're, you know, the computer says that your hormone level says no. (laughs) Yes, the computer says no, you're not the right hormone level for a 30-year-old. And so we need to bring you back up to being the right hormone level of a 30-year-old. When actually our hormones drop to a level of pre-adolescent girls. And how many menopausal symptoms do pre-adolescent girls have? Mm -hmm. You know, none. So it's it's just a myth that has been created in the last certainly 100 years that women reach this time, they become deficient, rather than viewing it as, like I said, a rite of passage, as the Japanese view it, as like this energetic Mm -hmm. shift. And if we viewed our life cycle more in terms of energies instead of what happens to the hormones, Mm -hmm. I think that's so much more loving. Hmm. and useful because we say okay there's the energy of uh, reproduction there's the energy of change and there's the energy of an elder 
And, and it's something to look forward to and it's right. something that we can embrace. And in Japanese culture, they do have a lot more respect for the elder. Mm-hmm. And there is something that, you, that someone could look forward to, to that graduation. Whereas in the West, the elder is, you know, given its own mm, little box, often shipped off to, you know, an old people's home or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and it isn't given the respect that often uh, traditional cultures uh, would give an elder. So that really influences the way that we journey through menopause. And surprise, surprise, Japanese women um, uh, have much easier time of menopause than mm. women in the West. And so there are people who say, oh, that's because they eat tofu and soy, et cetera. Et cetera. <laughs> Obviously, it's the tofu yeah. <laughs> and the cigarette. <laughs> but there are other cultures as well that are more traditional that women also have an easier time um, of, of menopause and they don't eat tofu. So it's not necessarily about the tofu, but more about the way that we view what's happening at this time. This mm. And I mean, the, the respect in, in the culture, I mean, of I mean, everybody deserves to be respected. And I mean, I just think it's so, I'm, I consider myself to be an elder. I call myself an elder to my nieces and my nephews and even to people in their 30s. I'm like, listen to your elders. <laughs> <laughs> learn from me <laughs> yeah learn from my lesson save you some time um <laughs> which i i love that because i love the honor of that and you know when we honor ourselves when we honor our elders when we honor everyone everyone has their place everybody has their right to be here of course to, in, in my mind and that that is so much more gentle and yes. if, you know, gentle and accept, I'm so the sun is going to be coming in real soon. So I hope this isn't going to be irritating because usually I don't do chats this time of the day. Oh, okay. <laughs> I do the afternoon and the sun, the sun, the three minutes of sun we had in Sweden is gone. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but if we can, this, another miraculous thing that I think that you have gone through, and I want you to share this because this is so, this is just to show us what we are capable of. So. The beach. Let's talk about the beach. Yeah. 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 Can you okay. tell a story of that? I'll tell a story about the beach. So, <laughs> Thank you. Um, I started um, a while ago. I had set an intention that I would like to be able to see without glasses. Mm. And here I am with glasses. But I'll explain. And they're cool glasses. I like your glasses. Thank you. Mm. Um, but I have, I had been wearing multifocal glasses for about 10 years. And every time I got a new pair of glasses, the prescription would go up on a plus and it would just go plus more, plus more, plus more. And I was like suspecting that there was something that I wasn't seeing about that, Hmm. that why would, why would my, you know, why would my vision be getting worse and worse? And of course you combine with, oh, this is what happens in midlife. It's downhill until you're 80 and then it will start switching or something. But, um, (laughs) But I went, went to, um, I wanted to, to see how I could perhaps heal my eyesight. And I went to a workshop, um, a two-day workshop, um, run by someone who had healed his eyesight from blindness at the age of 17. He'd been yeah. born uh, blind and, and healed his own eyesight. And it was a workshop where we did lots of exercises and out in the park and um, using like, you know, um, shutting one eye and and throwing balls and catching them and, and doing all kinds of things. And at the end, I saw that there was definitely an improvement in my eyesight. 
And and I also learned that multifocal was just not what you should be putting on your eyes because it sort of like focuses your eyes uh, too intensely. And so I ran to my optician and I already was able to come down one number in my reading glasses and in my uh, driving glasses. After your um, two days at this workshop my two doing days this at... training that this person taught you. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I carried on afterwards doing the exercises, but I felt like they were helpful, but it felt like a chore that I wasn't really enjoying. So then I had the idea, well, I could go to the beach. I live close to the beach. And, um, and I knew that the expansive views of the beach would be helpful for, for your eyes, because this is one of the things that we lack in modern life, that it's we are all the view. time. Yeah, the expansive uh -huh. view, because we're all the time in front of the computer or in our houses or just looking out to the street. Um, so unless you live, you know, really in the middle of the country or something, then you you don't get that expansive view. So I started going to the beach by myself. Very symbolic, by the way. I will say yeah. <laughs> that we don't have a broader perspective. Yes. <laughs> a myopic view. Uh -huh. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so I started going to the beach by myself and feeling very guilty because, you know, <laughs> who goes to the beach by themselves midweek? Oh, just like must be nice. Who's she? Is she rich? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she must yes. be rich. <laughs> so, or I just want to enjoy um, the beach. <laughs> So, I mean, literally, I would, like, meet people, like, sometimes on the way, they're like, where are you going? I'll be like, I'm going to the beach. And they're like, what? With a friend? You're going to no. meet someone? There's, there's something going on at the beach? I'm like, no, I'm <laughs> going to the beach by myself. And so I managed to get it to, like, four times a week. And um, and right from the beginning, I met, I noticed, wow, I'm I'm really seeing stuff without my glasses. I could see the sand and the shells and the you know textures and 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 then I decided to bring a book uh, I think it was like day three I brought a book and I realized I could read a book on the beach without my glasses and so yes there is this tremendous light that goes on at the beach that's really helpful to see um but we don't think about light really when we see apart from when it's like evening and we go to a restaurant and we can't right. read the menu right yeah like, right. Oh, where's my talk on my phone <laughs> yeah right? but, it, but the light is so amazing but mm. then you can spend a lot of time with the expansive views looking at things close up looking back to the expansive views and healing your sight and so what happened was is that I was able to heal uh, by half I was able to half my prescription that's amazing. Um, which is now these glasses that okay. I wear for, um, for, for working on the computer, et cetera. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's still a journey. And as we were saying before we press record, you know, writing and editing a book is not necessarily the way to heal the best your, for eyes. your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had this whole healing experience at the beach. And, um, and then, uh, yes, mm, I had to, you know, I, I got inspired at the beach to write my book so that was the other thing that came out of the beach that yes I actually got um inspired to write so I would go to the beach come home and then write and what I love about that whole experience is that I can now say that I wrote a book it's my second book but there's 11 years between them so it was, it's been a while since I've been thinking yeah. about this book yeah but it came from nothing it really came from doing nothing from mm. me prioritizing exactly. time for myself to do nothing because I was called to go to the beach. And despite all these like little voices in my head going, oh, you can't go to the beach. Oh, my friends go, what are people going to think? And look how mm -hmm. tired you're looking at, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But I, I 
put those voices aside. And I said, this Good. is this is where my bliss is right now, mm-hmm. at the beach. And just for the love of the, my love of the beach, that felt wonderful. And because I wanted to heal my eyesight, mm-hmm. that's what happened. And from that, the book emerged really um, in a beautiful way. So yes. I love that you were doing nothing. It came out of yes. nothing. I love that. Right. Yes. When yeah. we like when we drop like the masks, right? We just drop all the facades and we just are there and we allow. And that's, you know, that's why is that so hard for us? Why is it? I mean, this is this is just a question for the world, but <laughs> why is it so hard for us to just not have to produce, not have to do something for even if it's 10 minutes, like just adding that practice into our day. And it is practice because it's not easy to do, to just actually follow your bliss, go to the beach or go into the forest where I go and find my bliss, right? And where I have my conversations with God, where I connect and reconnect with myself and mother earth and just drop it all, drop it all. We need it. We, We need it more and more and more, I think, as a civilization. And um, I think that it's it's such a beautiful perspective that imagine if we just listened into our bodies instead of adding more things into our bodies uh, that we think that we're so needing of, um, maybe maybe the answers are already inside of us. And yes. we just need to quiet down. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would add, you know, people can be listening to this and thinking, oh, I want to write books, so I should go to the beach. <laughs> now, I gotta do that too. <laughs> it, yeah, it may work for someone like that, but everyone will have their own path of bliss. Yes, yes. Right. So for someone, it may be just they love the park, you know, at the end of their street, or yeah. or they love the forest, you know, a little drive away, or wh- whatever it is. Or it may, you know, maybe something. It may be like they they want to go swimming, and so mm-hmm. like they've been feeling bad to go swimming, and, and then they just prioritize swimming, and maybe something comes out of that. Mm-hmm. But it's really about the sense of what am I inspired to do? Mm-hmm. You know, I could have at the beginning of the year said, "Oh, I must write my book this year," and then all the pressure, and the you know, and lines. I had been trying to write mm-hmm. a book. You know, five years ago I'd started it, so. So I could have put all that pressure on me, but I had let it go because I knew that it would just happen at the right time. And it it really came from nothing. I mean, it was literally, I was literally lying down on the beach and then I was like, oh, oh, I can see some chapters. I can see some chapters. (laughs) And, And that's how it emerged. And then it was effortless. You know, it was, there was no... Striving, and there was no I must, and and I didn't put a schedule on it, yeah, you know, at all. It was just like, let me see what comes out, and and then it just flowed. Mm. So, because yeah. it's no push, it's no push. The more we push, the more we push things away from us, and allowing the joy, the moments of joy, yeah, it's like spontaneous. How you had a spontaneous recovery because wait a minute, hmm, let me try this, like even make a game out of things and have more fun with it versus it being so heavy. And I understand that every single person has their own journey and they see, I mean, I, maybe I had it easier during my menopause. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm only myself, so I have no idea what anybody else has, but there's, there's alternatives. There's lots of different ways to maybe look at things, change your perspective of something and things change. So that's, that's what I wanted to have here was this conversation today. And I appreciate you taking this time with me. I know your kids are coming home from school soon. So 
Um, do you have any last minute thoughts, anything that you'd like to say or any kind of bits of advice for, for anybody maybe searching for more joy in their life? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really starts and from within. That, that's, that's what I'm, I've seen. And, and it's so simple. We think this attain, like to attain joy or to attain good health, it's complicated and must involve, you know, what the computer says. <laughs> but it's so, so simple. The body is brilliant and wise mm-hmm. and absolutely wants to bring us back to the path of good health constantly that's all it ever tries to do but we interpret that as malfunction sickness you know crazy symptoms etc etc when all the body is trying to do is work with the conditions that we've created on the ground Hmm. and Hmm. from that try and get us back into balance so sometimes the symptom is the attempt to bring us back to balance, but sometimes the symptom is just the attempt to wake us up mm. and show us that something is out of balance mm. and we can bring it back. So, you know, a real creating a real trust between ourselves and our body is such a game changer mm. because there's so much wisdom there that in our Western culture we don't tap into, but it's waiting for us. And it loves, you know, the body loves us and just wants us to live in health. Mm. So good health, joy is a lot simpler than we think. Yeah. And closer maybe than we think also. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm. Good stuff. Great conversation. This is interesting. Thank you for teaching me, teaching me something new that I I needed. Like I said, when when I first met with you, when we had a chat, I said, I never had this conversation with my mother. I had no idea that she had also gone through menopause at the age of 40 and I went through it starting at 40 and, and I didn't know. I mean, we don't know unless we have conversations and um, I, I appreciate you showing up in the world with this important message for us and that you are witness and you have experienced and that you are sharing it because it's so important because we need to hear more of that. We need to have more things that make us feel joy and hopeful in in this new stage of our right of our journey um becoming elders yes, <laughs> becoming yes. elders in the world <laughs> our responsibility <laughs> yes and as i like to say i write now in the book you know the best is yet to come and yep. that's just it's not true. what society's telling us but mm. really because the wisdom that's bubbling to the surface at this mm. stage of life mm. we can gather that mm. Mm. and share that's- that through yes. storytelling, right? This is what is so, that's part of the movement. Tell the stories, right? This is, yeah. the world gets better by us sharing our stories. Us yeah. as women, us as human beings with other women who are coming behind us, right? We're leading the way with our lantern, right? Like, look at us. This is what we did. You're going to be getting it too. Expect this. Expect good things. Expect like it. Maybe it doesn't have to be so treacherous, right? Yeah. We can change our mind about a lot of things yeah okay thank you thank you for your time today thank you the the sun is with us yeah (laughs) i I like seeing the sun oh i do trust me i do too my gosh i would i'm thinking about going out and laying out (laughs) in the five degree weather (laughs) all right thank you so much tanya thank you for your time and we'll put all your contact information in the show notes your website and your social media channels and i also 
I don't know if you would share that uh, gentleman's name who did the workshop. I mean, just for people to like maybe even research a little bit about that with oh, the vision. Yeah. That's name, beautiful. Yeah, his name is Mel Schneider. I mean, I can, I can. Um, yeah, just send me that name. Yeah, uh, send because me the name. I don't, I didn't get all that. But all right. So thank you so much for today. I hope that you have a wonderful day, and um, I appreciate your time. I really do. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing you. your story. Thank yeah, you. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of More Moths to the People. I am Asa Nilsson. If you like this episode, I'd love to hear from you. Like, subscribe, follow the podcast, share it with a friend. I want to say thank you to Kamel Asli for his help with the production of this podcast. Without him, this would not even be in your ears today. I can assure you of that. And let me let me say a little something about my friend Gregory Paul Donaldson. May he rest in peace who would always leave me with this quote. He would say, in the meantime and between time, whatever you do, do it well, and then pass it on. Peace and most importantly, joy. I want to leave you with that as well. I'll see you on the flip side, my friend. Take care.